Hello and welcome to another edition of Bills from Afar. You're with me, Tim Roger, my co-host Charlie. Charlie, how you doing? It's been a while. Yeah, not like too bad. Anyway. Yeah, it has. <laughs> it's that Thursday night football thing, isn't it? So yeah, um, yeah. happy that the Bills got a win um, and an improved performance and actually been really pretty positive about these new signings, especially the ones on the defensive side of the ball. So uh, I think it's been quite a good week in uh, Bills land, really. Uh, we got a hell of a, hell of a game coming up. So yeah, all to fight for. How are you doing? Yeah, no, I'm doing well, thanks. As you said, like, it was a um, get-right type of performance. I was pretty impressed overall um, about how the Bills played. Probably both sides of the ball, obviously. We want to see it on the offence more. You know, the offence had a lot more to prove, it felt like. Um, but, yeah, it felt like we, we got a good performance against the Bucks. And, you know, this Sunday night football game against the Bengals, that, that this is going to be a huge test, I think. Um, we'll talk about it more um about just what that game means and you know kind of how we match up with the Bengals uh in the latter part of the podcast um obviously because you know we're recording this what a week after the Bucks game we'll probably spend less time on the Bucks game and a little bit more time probably on the Bengals um game we usually spend a little probably probably a little bit less time on the um, previews than we do on the um reviews of the games so it'll probably be flipped a little bit probably spend more time on, on, on the Bengals game but yeah no exciting you know as you said um there's been a lot of news it feels like obviously you know um I think already when we recorded last and we were previewing a Bucks game I don't think we knew about Knox's availability and the fact that he was going to be put on IR and you know obviously Kyrie Elam all that what happened that blew up the Thursday night it was all very all you know this watch out for the uh, inactives it's going to be interesting and then we saw Kyrie Elam and all the rumors and you know about him being traded and now we know that he hasn't been traded ultimately who knows whether he would have been if we found the right compensation um because Brandon Bean has obviously said more recently in like the last day that you know we still believe in him. He's got this, was it an ankle issue that's kind yeah. of put him on IR? Yeah, exactly. I think the fact he's on IR sort of gives me the sense that they weren't weren't going to trade him unless it was going to be something pretty compelling. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I sort of looked at it as well, okay, that makes me feel better. It means that they still believe in him. And if, you know, the best we we're going to get was a fifth or a sixth, they'll be able to get that again if 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 he doesn't work out. But I mean, having Rizal Douglas come in is a, is a great hedge. Um and uh, it puts us in a position where we could have, I think, three really good cornerbacks. Hopefully, if trade comes back uh, in in some kind of form. So, um, yeah, I think it's I think it's really encouraging, and I'm hopeful that we can get something out of Kyrie Lim soon. But the pressure's off now. I think with Rizal Douglas. Um, interestingly, those of you who listened to us last year, you remember remember we had Meg on, who was a big. Um, a big uh, fan of the Packers, and uh, she was the one that texted me actually about the uh, the the signing before I spotted it myself. And um, you know, Packers fans are pretty gutted. You know, he's one of their best players, and um, I think the feeling now is that maybe the uh, the Packers have accepted their fate and they're going to go all in and get another quarterback. So uh, it's time yeah. to sort of cash in on their on their prize assets. So uh, Jordan Love yeah. doesn't seem to be working working out. You know, there were ten, two wins on the season and um, in a not great division. So um, yeah, it's a sad time for Packers fans, but benefits to the Bills. Yeah, like I haven't watched a load of Packers games or Packers film over the last couple of seasons since he's been there, but it feels like when I have, kind of, he stood out and he kind of seems like a similar, a very similar player to Christian Benford in terms of, you know, he's very zone heavy. Um, you know, he's not the quickest guy in the world, but he's just intelligent and he's, 
you know, makes plays on the balls. Like we've not really seen it in terms of the interceptions from Benford, but he's always getting. Well, you look at the stats. I was looking earlier at the Bucks game. I think he had at least two passes defensed. I think it was three even. So you know they still have the ball skills to be able to swat away and you know get um, you know something on the ball to prevent the receivers from getting it. So yeah, no, I think um, that'll be quite a tantalising tandem. I think. Um, yeah. Quite looking forward to seeing them both from, uh, playing. And who knows? I, I would have thought. Douglas, I don't know. It feels like they're they're pretty cautious when they make these types of moves, not to throw them in there. But surely you get him in because you know they've not really got much else. So you'd hope that Douglas comes in and he's able to make a difference straight away. You know that's the hope. But who knows how they'll acclimatize him and if they've got a plan. Who knows? Yeah, he he doesn't seem to know if he's playing or not. I mean, obviously he's got to get used to the scheme. Um, yeah, but I think that. What it does is it gives me hope for the second half of the season that, especially mm. with having um, you know a, a, some some strength also at one tech, which has been my my big concern really um, in in Linville Joseph yeah. coming in. Yeah. You add Linville Joseph, you add um, uh, Rizal Douglas, and I think I'm really encouraged. And we'll talk more about this with Poya playing almost like a you know second linebacker, um, and uh, I think that combination gives me a real hope that this defense can be something close to what we saw at the start of the season with everybody fit. Um, it's never going to be the same without a Matt Milano and a, um, and a Trey White, for example. But I think we've made as bad, as good a job as we possibly can in terms of compensating for those big losses. So yeah, I think uh, yeah. it's really encouraging. Yeah, definitely. So shall we talk about this Bucks game then? So when you're watching it, um, what were your kind of overriding thoughts? What are your biggest takeaways from the game? Yeah, so I thought it was a big improvement on the offensive side of the ball. That's the first thing. You know, it was much more getting the ball out quick. I think it was, yeah. I heard the stat that Dosh was, um, it's the quickest he's, he's got it out in his career. You could tell mm-hmm. um, it was a lot of no huddle. Um, and I thought it really got them into a rhythm much, much better. And the biggest thing was that they got Shakir and Kincaid involved very early and, and in really meaningful ways, you know, where they were taking some good chunks, some good yak. And I thought, what that did for the offense was huge because suddenly the defense has got to care about four weapons. You know, if you add in, yeah. um, if you add in the other two wide receivers that would normally be our primary targets and Stefan Diggs and, um, um, why am I blanking? Gabriel Davis. <laughs> Gabriel it's Davis. been one of those days. Has it? Yeah. It's been one of those days. <laughs> Gabriel Davis, who again, we'll come back to because I thought he had a really good game, but basically yeah. meant we had four weapons and, you know, I thought I've always been high on Shakir and I understand that his blocking always mm-hmm. wasn't that good. And it's sometimes he has some drops, but he looked really polished yeah. and I was really enthusiastic about him. You had Kincaid into mix who looked so smooth and, and such a nice route runner, a real weapon. This was for me, almost his breakout game, I think. And um, I thought, wow, suddenly we've got four weapons and that suddenly puts defenses in a real bind. Now it wasn't a perfect offensive performance. Obviously we had those four drives that ended up with no points uh, in the, in, towards the end of the game. But yeah. I thought the other big thing was Josh used his legs and he, and he ran yeah. well, he ran sensibly, he ran at the right times. And it just gave, you know, as we said on the podcast before, just gave that defense more to think about. Now we have to caveat all this with the fact we were playing the Bucks, who are not the best team in the league. And we're going to have a whole different game against, um, against the Bengals. But I thought it was a massive improvement. Um, and then if you go on the defensive side of the ball, I think had, having Ed Oliver back was big. 
Poya coming down and playing a bit more linebacker for a chunk of snaps. I thought that was really, really worked well. Um, obviously, his football intelligence um, is, is significant. Poya, and I don't know, just looked and felt an awful lot better. Um, we should have really put the nail in the coffin much sooner, and we'll come on to uh, that and the reasons why. But that, I, I thought it was really encouraging. It wasn't perfect, but a big improvement, and I thought it gave us a different way of winning when you think about that sort of no huddle, get the ball out quick offense, which I think we might need again this uh, this Sunday. Yeah. No, you made some really good points there and you've pretty much covered what I was going to say. So the, the two things I want to highlight, um, which you did, was um, the yards after the catch because, you know, the Bills offence, we haven't ever really had that element. We're always towards the bottom of that, you know. When you've had Diggs and Beasley, you know, they're guys that can get open, but they have struggled at times um, to, you know, make any meaningful yards um, after the catch. But it felt like... Um, you know, and even Gabriel Davis has been guilty of that in the past. You know, he's not the shiftiest guy, clearly. He's kind of like a bigger physical receiver. But it even felt like he, you know, Davis himself, like he was able to evade defenders, create some more yards after a catch. And Don Kincaid and uh, Khalil Shakir really have helped that area of the game. Like, it, it felt like, as you said, it was a quick game. It was easier for Josh. And, you know, he, he was just putting it, the, the ball in places that, allowed for those um, yards up to catch opportunities. And it's not all just Josh. I think they schemed it up pretty well. There's like some quick slants that Don Cade had that he was able to take, mm. you know, 10 yards after the catch. And like those all of those. Yeah, <laughs> He's exactly. so good at like, that. Yeah. They're the fantastic plays when you can get them, you know. He keeps the, the, I saw the Travis Kelsey's been killing, killing us with that yeah. for, what, three or four years. Um, yeah. To see it as a weapon in our armory is awesome. And the fact that Josh used his legs as well, like as you said, it was pretty sensible how he was using it. But obviously, the defense has to account for Josh taking off. Like when he started to do that, they have to account for that. And that draws the defense closer to him. And that then creates more um, space on the field for those players to create the yards after a catch opportunity. So as you said, it's really good to get kind of four guys in. in um, you know, getting a good amount of targets. Um, yeah, no, it was really positive from that standpoint. And then the defense, as you said, there wasn't like, and we'll come on to it in a, in a minute, but the defensive plays of the game, I, I struggled because there wasn't anything, there wasn't like a wow play in my mind, but it was just solid defense. And I don't know about you, but I can't like keep my eyes off Terrell Bernard when we play now, which is such a, you know, I did not expect to say that after eight weeks, just feels like he's always around the ball. And, He's one of, he's probably, since he's kind of came into the team, um, it wasn't straight away, was it? It wasn't week one. I think it was like week two or three. But since he entered the team, like, I'd argue he's probably been on one of our most consistent defenders on the field, which is crazy to say. Like, we, none of us ever expected that in our wildest dreams. And I just enjoy watching him play and, you know, how he's able to, even in coverage, you know, kind of in man coverage as well, kind of follow the, you know, uh, the tight ends and, and stuff across the field. Um, yeah, he, he's an amazing player. He, he really is. I, uh, the biggest surprise, I think, this season is just to El Bernard's emergence. And we were hoping for competence. With Matt Milano. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We were I hoping know. for competence and we got like a really top level player. Um, yeah. Incredible. Hell of a turnaround yeah. for sure. Sign yeah, my apology really form. Already done. Posted. Yeah. <laughs> we <laughs> yeah, were on. <indeed. laughs> we were. No, absolutely. Shall we do the awards then? Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. So, who have you got for game MVP? 
Uh, all right. So my awards game MVP, I've got Kill Shakir. Um, you know, mm-hmm. he had only six, uh, six receptions, but of six targets, 92 yards. So he was the guy and there was a play, um, which, uh, I'm not going to have as my, 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 my play of the game, but it was a very close run thing where he went, he, he did spin out to the right. Um, yeah. he, he duked a guy and then he trucked a guy and got an extra, what, 10 yards or something. And I just thought. Oof, this guy's sort of stepped up. This this is this is this is significant now. We've got a proper third option at wide receiver um before we even get to Kincaid. And I thought this was huge. I mean, his his longest was that I think maybe it was that one, it was the 30, 30 yards. I oh, know actually no, it was one that when he was that was a different one. But he, his average yeah. um his average distance uh, for reception was was fifteen point three yards, which is which is awesome, especially for a guy who plays where he plays. So I know there's probably a few other candidates that would be good options, but I just thought this was a breakout game. He was the biggest contributor in terms of yardage on the offense outside of Josh Allen. And I thought that was a big, big game, big breakout game for Khalil Shakir. Yeah, no, I've gone the same route. I, I really did. I was really impressed by him. It kind of frustrated me. You alluded to, I think, the longest um, play he had was that, I don't know how he became so wide open, like there must have been a coverage, um, you know, something happened in coverage on um the, the buck side of things, but he was completely free and wide open, wasn't he? And he got tackled straight away. And I was like, oh, he was so close to like juking, getting out of that and just scoring a touchdown. Um, because he was the only defender around him, I think. So like, it would have been an easy walking touchdown. I think that would have been my play of a game had he have, you know, got the touchdown from that. But yeah, I'm just really impressed with his emergence. And for me, when I've watched him, I liked him in the pre-draft process and he'd done some great things in, in his rookie season, but it's always been the consistency of his hands. Like sometimes he'll make some really difficult um, away from the frame type catches, and sometimes he'll drop the easy, simple ones that are right in the bread basket. And yeah, you know, so it's just the consistency of the hands for me. But over the last, I don't know how many games now, three games, he's shown. I don't know what his um, you know catch rate has been, but it's been really high. I think from um, that game. Um, against the Bucks, I think he caught nearly all of the passes that came his way. He so killed all of really them. Good. Yeah, he had uh, he six, yeah. six uh, receptions off six targets. So I think yeah. we've seen in the his sort of last couple of games him in, in, in taking a bit of a step up. He obviously he had four off um, four of four against uh, New England, and in, 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 on a bad day, he was a kind of a standout performer. But the, this last two games, we started to see a you know, much bigger contribution from him, which is which is awesome. Mm. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, what about offensive and defensive plays of a game for you? So, although it wasn't my favorite offensive play, I'm going to go for it just because I think he deserves it in, in Dalton Kincaid. That touchdown mm, it was such a smooth. Yeah. It was also great by Josh. He spins out, spins out. Yeah. Classic um, Josh, wasn't it? Classic Josh. Yeah, out to the right. Kincaid anticipated. It wasn't the easiest place for him to, to grab the ball, but he did it in one smooth movement. And yeah, he's just so smooth. And I, I can't wait to see more of that. I, I thought he was a, a great asset mm. all game. Um, obviously significant in the uh, in the passing game. He had uh, five receptions for 65 yards. So uh, I think that was just a imp- really important touchdown. He went into the crowd and almost mirrored the the Josh cover on uh, on Madden as well, which was cool to see. So yeah, just great yeah. great play to see. Yeah, so I had two lined up based on kind of where you went. So yeah, the Kincaid one was the one of mine as well. It was is the throw, wasn't it? Just just how quick. The velocity on that throw as well from Josh and how that was on a, a real tightrope, you know, great throw. Um, but I'll go instead for the just Josh Allen rushing touchdown that he had. We're second and 12 at the time in the red zone. And um, I think it was free all. 
And, you know, it just got us that touchdown that we needed. And that was the first time we'd really seen Josh unleash himself and his legs. And, yeah, it's just been a Josh. You know, he was able to juke. He didn't get touched, I don't think. And he was able to run in for, like, a 14-yard touchdown. So, you know, classic Josh. Um, just things that we love to see. Hopefully, you know, they just continue with that because that aspect of our offense is so invaluable and so important. Like we've seen, haven't we, like the struggles without, you know, when Josh hasn't been able to do that. Um, you always need that element. You always need that element, you know. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of talkers and there of Brady on the Let's Go podcast. I think it is talking about, you know, him having to protect himself and slide. And I want to see that. Like he's shown signs against the commanders. He's slid twice. So he's got that in his arsenal. But like he's got to just run, just run. And if he's going to have to take contact, if that's in his nature, okay, I'll kind of accept it. I'd like him to use his head sometimes and slide and mitigate some of those hits. But you need that aspect in your offense. You really do. So um, yeah, just classic Josh again, I suppose. Defensive play um, the games. Yeah. Shall yeah. I just go with mine? Um yeah. again, I, I struggled to kind of it wasn't many, was there wasn't lots plays. No. No, there wasn't well, did we actually did Baker Mayfield have a turnover? I don't think he did, did he? Um I think we sacked him three times. I'm just going for Ed Oliver's sack. So it's just nice to see a bit of penetration up middle. Uh, yeah. as you do. I went for the and, same uh, the same one as well. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I I did think about giving it to uh, Bills Mafia because I thought the crowd, you know, just created a bit yeah. of disruption. They had a few penalties based upon noise, and they couldn't get things uh, things worked out. So it's um yeah. I also went for the Ed sack. Good stuff. Um, unsung. Right. Who have you gone for? Yes, this was an interesting one. I kind of played around with a few uh, a few names actually. I thought Puna Puna Ford played much better. You know, it's always a kind of a. Uh, I don't know. So it's sort of one tech's always one of those jobs where you know your average fan isn't really paying a lot of attention, but you can kind of tell how well they're playing by what also doesn't happen. You know, if you don't get blown up in the middle. And I thought that um, I thought he had a big improvement in in terms of his performance. He didn't look great the week before, but yeah, it was a big big uh, improvement. I thought um, Deontay Hardy uh, was um, also. I thought that uh, his, his punt return that he he, he did, yeah. which gave us really great field position, was was a good shout. But I ended up going with um, with the punter. I mean, I mean, how, how can, how, how, I mean, those punts just, were just insane, weren't they? Just how high pitched you got there, Charlie. It sounded yeah. like you were so excited to reveal that you understood who it was. Sam Martin. Sam Martin. Look at that. Yeah. It just, oh, uh, I love it. I, I thought he was absolutely exceptional. I mean, I thought that was one that didn't quite make it, but I thought overall, I thought he looked, uh, he looked really great. And, um, <laughs> you know, in, in, in tight games, these sorts of things matter when it comes to field position. So uh, he's a, uh, the absolute archetype of an unsung hero is, is a punter. So that's, that's where I went. <laughs> I think that demonstrates just kind of how good implementing this award has been. Just the fact that you're getting, you know, you're almost ex as excited to talk about your unsung hero, which in this case is a punter, than you are about game MVP or the best get plays of the game, yeah, you know. Exactly. You, you, you're repping for your guy. and I love it. Oh, I'd love to see it. <laughs> He's yours. <laughs> so you actually mentioned him, uh, Deontay Harty for me. Like, yeah. so I feel, I feel like I've said it quite a few times on the pod, but field position is critical in a, in a game and it's really important to me. Um, you know, we, we've seen in games this season when the Bills have struggled with field position, um, like the Jags game, um, and you can't, you know, convert on, you know, your initial um, you know, first downs and that kind of thing. That you're always going to be behind the ball, and you know, it felt like you know the Bucks couldn't get out of that. Mayfield couldn't like 
you know, really get the ball, um, you know, throw it that far down the field at times. Like he was penned in his, you know, five, 10 yard line at times. And that really mattered, like getting free and outs against them when they're backed up and having that short field position. And, you know, uh, Harty really did capitalize, as you said. You always worry when they're starting to run backwards about what's going to happen. But um, yeah. he's so electric, isn't he? he? Like yeah. he's so agile and you can just see his feet are so like twitchy like he, he's able to like yeah, make those types of plays that normal players shouldn't really but he's got that low seven center of gravity but i like and, his confidence yeah, you know he even was prepared to go backwards to, to go forwards he's, he's, he's confident enough to do it and i know maybe one day that'll catch him out but um i think given where he was yeah. on the field it was worth a gamble and uh, it paid off which was which was cool to see yeah cool and um, surprise of a game what's yours yeah, so turn around with a few. I'm going to go with, with Gable Davis. Um, insofar as <laughs> it wasn't so much where what he was what he was doing. I mean, firstly, he'd taken a lot of flack, and I thought yeah. this was a, a really good get right game for Gabriel Davis. But it was where he was catching the ball. You know, there's a lot more um, underneath stuff, a lot more close to yeah. the scrimmage. He wasn't being lined up out. He, if he was lined outside, he was he was cutting. You know, crossing routes. Um, but you know, he wide had, receiver screens as well. He actually yeah, caught, yeah. You know, it was the primary receiver for that, which is I, pretty incredible. Blocking was really good as it always is, but you know he had yeah. um, nine receptions for eighty-seven yards, and I thought it was a really good performance. And there was that one catch where he really pulled it in quite a long yeah. way away from his body. Yeah. You know stuff that perhaps you don't always see, um, especially because the ball was was nailed in at him at quite some speed. So I just thought, you know, given the amount of flack he took, you know, he had nine receptions, same as Stefan Diggs, but he he ran for he got for eighty-seven yards, which was which was uh, second only to Killer Shakir. So. I thought it was a really nice get-right game for Gabe Davis, and I hope we see yeah. more of that. I was surprised to see where he was playing on the field, and uh, it seemed to work. Yeah, well, you think about the Patriots game, he had like, what, six targets, a catch, and five yards, you know, and, uh, you know, I, I pretty much said, like, my biggest concern is for weapons, like, and I know we saw it from Shakir and Kincaid in that game, but the fact that the second primary receiver only got that, that I, I, I kind of said, like, I'm done with him in a way, like, you know, he's only really put up big numbers when he's been that deep threat uh, and he's not shown it in the short intermediate areas of the care. And then <laughs> next game, here he comes and, you know, was able to do those things that have been critical about him um, previously. So, yeah, fair play to him. Absolutely fair play. So um, my surprise of the game is just the amount of yards after a catch, like the whole team got. Like, I'm just not used to seeing a Bills team do that. And, you know, when you've looked at all the metrics over the past few seasons, um, probably going all the way back to 2019. Like we've always been low in that area. You know, it's always been Diggs and Beasley just sitting down as soon as they catch the ball, basically. So it's really nice to see that aspect um, of the Bills. You know, not only getting the other receivers and having that balance across all of the four top targets, um, uh, weapons that got the four top targets, but also just that element of the game that, you know, they're able to make yards and it's going to make Josh's life. If we're able to consistently implement yards after a catch and yards after a catch opportunity, it's going to make Josh's life so much easier. So, no, I was um, really happy to see that, but surprised at the same time as we haven't really seen that before from uh, the Bills. Uh, what about the Rex for you? Yeah, the Rex Ryan Award for incompetence. It has to be Jordan Phillips, doesn't it? I mean, <laughs> yeah, I was waiting for that. that. Yeah, clown. I mean, you know, he does the, the hard work. Man, that's he, all does he does the hard work and gets the sack, and then gives away the face mask penalty. I mean, yeah, I just could not believe it. And of course, 
you know that then put them in the position where they were able to um, to make this a close, far closer game than it ever should have been. It was one of those yeah. games where watching it, you knew which team was was far better and was, was going to win. It, it ended up being close, but it really shouldn't have been. And then I put a lay a large portion of that blame on uh, on Jordan Phillips. Um, yeah. I, he's he not two penalties, set. didn't he? On fourth down, didn't he have another yeah, one on the I think uh, he did. Um, drive after? He yeah, so. zero tackles in this game. Now I know he's, you know, sometimes he's playing one tech, sometimes he's playing three tech, but he had zero tackles. Um, he's just not good enough. Um, he yeah. dropped off considerably. Um, I'm all in on uh, us not playing him at one tech ever again. Um, he can't anchor. Um, he just doesn't bring enough. Like you say, mm-hmm. he's a he's a hype man, and he's a lovely a lovely dude. Let's be maybe be very clear. You know, I've always seen him in interviews; he's great. But oh man, that that penalty just really annoyed me. <laughs> but Charlie, yeah, you say he's a lovely dude, but if you're going to put someone on the field because they're a lovely dude, you know, you and me are not, you know, true, <laughs> um, true. on our own trumpets. But like, come on, like you can just get any Joe Blobs yeah. from Buffalo. We're such a, you know, nice Correct. set of fans Correct. that we could just end up on the field. I'm just emphasizing it's not personal, but his quality of play is not sufficient. Yeah, yeah. yeah I said last, uh, well, I think it might have been after a Jags game, I can't remember, but he's like near Vernon Butler levels for me. Like, in, yeah. you remember in the early stages of these podcasts, the early days, like how like I was on him and how much he was on his ass. And like, I'm at that point with Jordan Phillips that, you know, yeah. ultimately, you know, one tech, as you said, like, I think that's why the Dolphins got rid of him because he's not a one tech, he's a free tech kind of guy. But even as a free tech, he's not. He's not played the at a high level at three tech for. So, well, since that Rams game, which yeah. we come back to last season, like, that's the only, yeah. And then well, he I mean, got, not... was it shoulder injury or whatever it was? And, Oh, nah, yeah. nah, he's just, I he's am just not cutting it. out on Jordan Phillips, it's fair to say. Yeah. All right, we best listen to what our friend Scottish Phil thinks about this game then. Morning, boys and girls. Uh, Bill's Mafia, how's it going? Um, it's, it's half four in the morning here in Scotland. Um, sorry, I'm a bit quiet outside in the garden, which is kind of opposite the bedroom window. So if I, I, mean, if I wake the wife up, I'll get battered. I'd, uh, I'd rather just not get battered by the wife. Uh, how good's that? It's a bit better, isn't it? Um, just like to see uh, Bush Gardens, White Tigers, <laughs> Poor Man's Blackpool, and <laughs> uh, Cuban Sandwiches, they're also uh, much better off with chicken wings and blue cheese sauce. That's the way it goes. Um, <clears throat> started off pretty well, you know, first couple of plays, ben for, uh, Bernard did really well. Um, forcing the zone, nice and aggressive for separate defence. Um, when we got the ball back, um, Great first, great, great pass first down, straight into no huddle, back to back Shakir passes and a couple of back to back Gabe Davis passes. Um, I just much much click, much quicker, much more slick. Yeah, um, then turned, then he got the ball back. They came, they drove up the the, the field a bit and got the field goals happening. Big uh, Shaq Lawson pulled out his inner Garrett Wilson with a wee cheeky block. Nice happy days. I've got, I've got to say though, when Micah Hyde goes. Um, I'm pretty much going to turn into a Dalton Kincaid fanboy, uh, and I never really have my favourites on the offence, it's always defence, um, just give him a sporting background, but Dalton Kincaid is going to be a special player for us, he was again superb tonight, delighted to see him getting his first uh, touchdown, um, absolutely fantastic, um, he was open lots, he, I think there's one run in the Cut the ball on the sideline where you realise that the play's dead, but Josh is scrambling, so I'll, I'll run it, I'll run, I'll keep open. Lovely catch on the edge, um, 
keep keep myself in, in, in play. Brilliant stuff. Um, special mention again to Sam Martin as well. Um, some of his punts tonight were excellent. Um, four yards, four yards, eight yards, and even the one at the end there was like it, it still bounced in. And if, if the the gunner or the runner was a bit bit taller, an inch taller, we another one yard. Um, when you're on the one yard line, field position wise, brilliant. Um, Jordan Poyer again was fantastic tonight. And he's so aggressive coming into. Um, I'll call it. A, I'll call it. A, so it is. Um, Poyer, yeah, aggressive coming in, almost like a linebacker at times. Really aggressive. Um, great tackling. But again, Terrell Bernard for me stood out in the defence. Top tackler again. A few tip passes. Marshalling things, um, spotting things, tapping people in the back of the shoulder at the line of scrimmage before before the snap. Brilliant. I mean, don't get me wrong, boys and girls, um, this was not a great Buffalo Bills performance. It was a better Buffalo Bills performance. It was good to see Josh Allen back with some legs, um, some fight, some anger. Uh, don't, get, don't get me wrong. Uh, I put my pants when uh, he went in the blue tent and Kyle Allen was coming out at the start of the second quarter. I was like, no, 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 no. But thank God he was okay. Um, better. We've got 10 days now to rest up, get a bit healthier for before we go to Cincinnati. That's now going to be a really big game because they're, they're hitting their stride. Um, anyway, I better go. Stop rambling, talking all that crap. Um, look after yourselves. Go Bills. I uh, also like to say your Cuban sandwiches are pish. Not even a patch on the mighty beef on week. All right, so quite analytical uh, this week. Um, not angry, not uh, not yelling. Um, uh, yeah, good to hear they got a bit of a bit of shout in for Beef on Weck. Uh, big fan of that. Um, actually, if you want more information about Beef on Weck, I did do a pod uh, with with our friend Andy, who does um, across the pod. Uh, he's been on here, the Dolphins fan. He actually went to visit Buffalo uh, this last uh, last weekend, and um, yeah, got some wings, got some beef on Weck. You know, he met um, uh, Andrew Whitworth and uh, saw Fitz taking a shot out of a bowling ball. And we, and he, uh, he was a big fan of Buffalo. <laughs> let's put it that way. So, as a Dolphins fan, it was great to hear him being a big fan of Buffalo. But yes, thank you, Scottish Phil, for your analysis. I agree with all of that, and uh, especially the beef on Weck. Yeah, definitely. All right, should we move on to this uh, upcoming, uh, uh, yeah, monster game, really, isn't it? It's a big game. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know where we want to start with this. So I have to admit, like, I don't want to get to this core prediction straight away, but I am pretty conflicted. And I know I've, I, I think I messaged you before early in the week about this. So obviously, we saw the Bengals at the start of the season, and I think you've alluded to it previously on this podcast, like, based on kind of what we had seen or, you know, the lack of what we were seeing from the Bengals at the time when Joe Burrow was having his... Uh, calf problems and um, Jamar Chase wasn't firing on, on all cylinders and the whole offense wasn't firing on all cylinders. We could, we're kind of saying, you know, this is a, um, you know, this isn't the team that they were last season or the last two seasons. This is the shadow of themselves. But we've obviously seen like in recent weeks, like they've got it back together and they're kind of in their groove. Um, Joe mm. Burrow looks like he's playing back at his best. So it's Jamar Chase. Once those two are firing, it's really hard to stop that offense. So not only just with how they've had an upturn, but also when you look back at the two games we've faced against them last year and before the Jamar incident, I really felt like the, the first game away at the Bengals, like it felt like even though it was a couple of drives each or one drive each, I can't remember exactly how many it was, but it felt like, 
they were definitely the team that was able to move the ball a lot easier than we were. And I feel like had that be, that game carried on and been completed, I feel like it would have been a pretty convincing win from the Bengals. And then obviously we all know what happened in the playoffs and how they just out-bullied us, out-dominated us, out-scored us. You know, I think based on all those things, you like in my mind, I think like, you know, you have to say a lot. However, 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 you know, and that's also factoring in obviously how the Bills have played, you know, at times in, in the last month or so. We haven't quite seen Josh and the offense get back in his groove. But if they've told Josh to cook and he's able to use his legs more and Josh becomes Josh a little bit more and makes those wow plays, um, plays and, um, you know, they kind of always feel like against his opposition, you know, the, the games that, are tough and difficult. They always feel like they keep them close or even win them a lot of the time. Like it's it's not like, you know, it feels like the Bills, if they lose, they kind of play down to their opponent. But when it's the bigger games like Sunday night football away at the Bengals, this is the kind of game that you can also see the Bills, you know, really coming up, you know, stepping up to occasion and winning. So I'm really conflicted about this game. Like I think this is the hardest game to predict this season, uh, in my mind. Uh, I'm still not too sure exactly which way it's going to go. Um, yeah. How are you feeling like heading into this game? Like, I mean, uh, a lot worse than I would have been three weeks ago. Um, yeah. I think. You mean it's easy to forget they're at they're actually bottom of the uh, AFC North, but that's really reflective of the fact that the Borough had that injury and what we've seen yeah. in the last week or two. Um, you know, shows that they're they're back as good as they ever were. Um, I think this yeah. is one of the best teams in the NFL. One yeah. of the observations I made on Andy's pod was that I think there's a set of teams in the league that have very high ceilings, and on their day, any of them can beat anybody else. But all of them have shown some kind of fatal flaws. And I put us in that category, given what we did against Miami. I put Miami in that category. I put the Bengals in that category. I maybe even put the Ravens in that category in the AFC. And then you've got in the NFC, um, the 49ers, who have just won, lost the last three. They were like World Peace. I know, that's crazy. The Eagles yeah. and maybe the Cowboys. So there's maybe seven ish teams that on their day look world beaters, but all of them have shown some flaws somewhere along the line. And yeah. you know the, the fatal flaw for the Bengals is 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 Burrow's health. You know we we've seen you know seasons in the past where he hasn't made it through a full season. This is another one where he's struggled with an injury, and when he's not on 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 full fitness, he simply isn't the same guy, and they're not the same guy. When he is though, they look like they could be the best team in the league. And you yeah. know I watched quite a big chunk of that 49ers game and. You know, they're no mugs, are they? <laughs> 49ers. No. I know they'd lost the previous two, but you know, you look at the talent they have, especially on the defensive side of the ball, and the Bengals just, just ripped to pieces at times. So I am pretty concerned. I think on paper, you'd say this has got to be a, a Bengals win. If you just look at it from an analytic standpoint, you look at um I think Burrow and Allen on that, you know, they're two incredible quarterbacks. Burrow's probably a bit more consistent than Josh. Josh, I think, maybe has higher, higher ceiling on his best days than 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 Joe. Um, I think the defense has caused us problems in the past. It, it, it completely, we really struggled against it in the playoffs. We'd obviously there's all else going on there, but here, and here's the thing. Um, I think these, these two teams are very, very even, but, and I think Greg Thompson made this point on his podcast that you could see this going any which way you could see it being really yeah. tight and a narrow win yeah. either way, or you could see it being a blowout on e for either yeah. team as well. Yeah, Both teams yeah. have that capability. 
And I just think maybe the Bills are going in with a bit more fire under them, you know, having seen what happened in the playoffs. Yeah. Obviously, yeah. everything that happened when the last time they were playing in Cincinnati. Um, the fact that they actually, this is actually a really important game for the AFC. So, you know, if Cincinnati are currently four and three and they are behind uh, the Browns, the Steelers, and Baltimore, not by a lot, but a little bit, but you make them four and four. And maybe Baltimore win their next game. They go to seven and three. And suddenly Cincinnati are going to be really scrapping for a wild card position. And the Bills are suddenly going to be in a position where they're going to put a lot of pressure on Miami. I think this is a huge, huge game. Yeah. However, if the Bills don't win, I, I, what I want to see is a good performance. I want to see a solid competitive performance. Something yes. that shows that you can hang with them. Because I think this Bills team will get better in the future weeks. I know we've got a nightmare schedule coming up, but so do the Dolphins. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think we add these two pieces on the defensive side of the ball and we get a solidify this position of, of of Jordan Poyer playing linebacker. I think this this Bills defense can get you know also I think we're more aggressive with McDermott as as a defensive court play caller. I think this defense can get back up to its level. And I think we're on the, seeing the offensive upswing with the integration of of Kincaid and Shakir the better Bills performances are still to come in my opinion. So I'm not going to lose my mind if we narrowly lose the Bengals. If we beat the Bengals, I think it's going to tell us an awful lot about the character of this team. If we get blown out by the Bengals, I think we have, we've got some serious questions to ask. Of course, it will make, it'll make look, look like we've not learned any lessons, but I think that combination of, of McDermott calling the plays on the defense, you, you've got to disturb Burrow, right? You've got to find ways of getting pressure on him with four. You've got to, uh, I mean, this, the wide receiver talent on the, on the Bengals is yeah. is really scary. Um, so I don't know. You, you could see you could see us struggling on that side of the ball. I would love it if Rizal Douglas was ready, but I'm not confident he will be. I'm not confident he's going to play. So that puts us in, in a, I think, in a big talent deficit at, at cornerback, and that means we have to get pressure on Burrow. And he's he's a guy that gets it out so quick. He's very difficult to get pressure on. He's slippery. Um, so yeah, I think it's a really really tough tough game. Mm. I think weirdly, like you look at a matchup to me that I look at and think, you know, normally I wouldn't go for these positions, um, you know, as you know, being pretty key in the game, like. But in this instance, I feel like the most consistent Bills offensive player this season, in my mind, is James Cook mm. and how good he's playing this year. Like I hear on some of the podcasts, you know, they're looking at him and, you know, they do see, you know, young Dalvin Cook. And I, I, I saw that in his rookie season. I think he's been great this season, probably our most consistent offensive player. And I watched the Bengals and I've seen Joe Mixon and it's a weird one because he took a pay cut and they were talking about releasing him but he looks like good, he? <laughs> he looks really good he looks like yeah. he's got quicker you know he's able to accelerate through the, the holes now like quicker than he ever has I feel like um, so I feel like you know the battle of the ground game is going to be really important in this game um, you know if Bengals have a good front and they should be able to disrupt our offensive line and keep it quiet in theory but then James Cook's able to kind of recognise you know when things are collapsing in the middle and one right wide if he wants and still make a good game so yeah I think it's going to be really important actually look at the quarterbacks and you think Josh Allen you know uh, Joe Burrow you've got to stop it in the air but I feel like the run game will be you know stopping that will be just as critical in this game as well so yeah it's, it's a real fun matchup um 
I am looking forward to the game, although I'm going to be a nervous wreck throughout the whole thing, I think. And <laughs> we know the Bills, you know, it's not going to be easy, even if we're ahead, even if, you know, we're somehow, some way, you know, got a two-touchdown score heading into the fourth quarter. They'll always find a way to make things um, interesting for the neutral. Um, and, you know, but, but yeah, uh, as you said, you know, and you said that Greg said, like, you can see it going any way, and that's why you it's can make so a case. difficult to predict. Yeah, yeah. you can yeah, really definitely. make a case. It's interesting. The Bengals are slight favourites, but not by much. Point and a half. Um, over or under on the points is forty nine and a half. Um, so, Ginger, what's your score yeah. prediction? Oh, I've really Have struggled with one? this one. Um, <laughs> I haven't really done one. I think that I think based on everything I said, and I think what you said about the fact that obviously with what happened in. Cincinnati and what happened in the playoffs like the Bills you know this is going to be a game that they're going to be really up for as well um, you know so that is a factor in this game uh, no no doubt whatsoever but I, I do think I, I just look at how they controlled and dominated us last year and how they're peaking at the right time and I think it's going to be really difficult really hard and as you joke like in these games I feel like I do go for the other team sometimes just because Again, I always do it with very psychology. Like, if I go for the other team, I feel like there's more chance that the Bills will actually win because <laughs> you've seen my pickums this year. Like, I was really good last year, and it's been completely opposite this year. Like, everything that I'm trying to, you know, been going going for has gone wrong. It feels like and gone the other way. So, I think I'll be. I'm going to go 24, 21 to the Bengals. I, I think we'll keep it close, and I, I really do think there's a a chance that the Bills will win. You know, ultimately, I think it is really tight and I think the you know the line is probably a good reflection of where this game is I find it really tricky to to pick it up I really do what about you have you gone for Austin so or? I've gone both I've, I've, I've convinced myself both. Of, 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 I've convinced myself of all <laughs> different wins. outcomes here so I'm just going to go with my heart and I think that the Bills are going to be more fired up and I think that Josh is going to show um, you know his, uh, his, his level and I think that he's very very, very top level is better than Burroughs, although I absolutely mm-hmm. accept Burroughs is an exceptional player and I think he's more consistent than Josh. I think if Josh yeah. runs and we can pop high some kind of game plan similar to what we saw against the Bucks and get those four guys involved, I think that makes us much harder to defense. And then I think it's a shootout. Um, I, I think it's as simple as that. And it's a question of who wins more. And I think that the, the one wild card that we have in our favor is, is Josh's legs. Um, so I'm going to go for a narrow 30 to 27 Bills victory, which um, love it. I think Absolutely uh, love it. is aggressive. And I could equally convince myself of a 30 for the scores, but I'm yeah. going to go optimistic and uh, and 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 see it in that in that light. Good for you. Good for you. Like fair play for calling it. Like uh, yeah, you can easily do it. You can easily call it that way. I do find it funny though. Like you know, you sent me. A t- I'm not on Twitter anymore or X <laughs> as it's called nowadays. But you sent me the the, the um like barrage of abuse at. Joe Marino on Locked On Bills got as a result of picking the Bengals and I think it's stupid because yeah you always just because you predict the, you know another team to win you know doesn't mean that's what you're rooting for it feels like some people get conflicted no, and think you know it's not the Bills same all day all. 
Bills, yeah. Bills are going to win every single game. And you, you've got to think realistically, it's not going to happen. We've lost already, what, three games this year? Uh, and you this know, is so the hardest team we've again. played. This will be the yeah, hardest exactly. team we've played, right? So, so it, I find it laughable that yeah, people yeah. question It's crazy how people Bills react fans. to this kind of stuff. Yeah. You can't win. You're either a homer or you're uh, not a fan. And like the reality mm. is we are fans. Um, yeah. But you've also got to be realistic about these things. And uh, I think this is a very, very tough game to call. You could call it 20 different ways. And um I think it's going to be a really interesting game. I'm just saying I'm not going to be upset if the Bills lose and we keep it close and we show some real performance because I do think the Bills will get better. I do think we got those pieces being settled in, slightly different game plans. Um, I'm really encouraged by this. Uh, Josh calling plays out, you know, no huddle and and just getting that ball out quick. I think it's so much more difficult to defend against and it allows us to get into a rhythm. So there's lots of good stuff here. And then it's a a question of talent. You know, I, I remember you always look at who's the better quarterback, who's the better coach. And yeah, it's a toss up between these, uh, the, those four characters. So um, very, very close game. I think, I think it'd be a really good game and hopefully we will have watched. So this is the weird thing. We're now, we're going to get KC Miami earlier on in the Sunday and it's actually going to yeah. be a nice time for us to watch. Cause it's going to be in Germany. And I'm going to be hoping for a KC win, which is a horribly uncomfortable, not pleasant mm. position to be in. But that's what yeah. we need. We need to be able to go and win that division. And uh, we need to put Miami to be that game back again. So, yeah. Yeah. No, <laughs> that will be an interesting game in its own right, yeah. as you say. But, uh, yeah, that does feel really weird. One last I can't question. Bring my... Are you yeah. watching it live? Because this is a Sunday night horror <sighs> show game for us, isn't it? So, I vowed after the Buck game because I had some issues with our youngest son. He's not even one years old yet and he's struggling at night sometimes. Um which then causes me to be streets even more sleep deprived than I am when I just have to get up and watch, you know, a nighttime game. Um I vowed after that I'm like, I can't do it again. I can't do it again. But just with how big this matchup is, I'm gonna be a fool and probably find a way that even if I'm up two hours before, mm. three hours before something with a baby, I'll probably stay up and watch it and then have to work with like two hours sleep or something insane like that. So um, <laughs> I think that I'm pretty sure I'll be watching this live. Um, hopefully sleep's better and I feel, you know, better in myself yeah. when I watch it. But yeah, I think with how big a matchup. If it was a Broncos, um, then maybe I wouldn't have... Uh, Next week, I might not have uh, been quite as concerned about, you know, missing it. I'll just watch it live straight away as soon as I wake up. But So yeah. I, I tried a different tactic last week. Um, I actually had a nap in the afternoon, like a sort of, yeah. I don't know, three o'clock, four o'clock nap for an hour or two. And then I went back to bed at like 10 and then got up at one for the game. And actually, it worked like a dream. And it was the best I'd ever felt the day after a a, a game uh, that's in the middle of the night. So don't know if that tip helps you at all, but if you get a chance yeah. to have a, an, an, an early afternoon nap, um, it seemed to work really well for me in terms of total sleep. So, And, and feel free, if there's any other fellow, well, well there is going to be other fellow UK fans listening to this, but if you do and you've got any tips, uh, send them our <laughs> way. I've always tried to find, uh, you know, I always find... And, and try different things and it's never quite worked as you'd want it to. So if you've kind of nailed down a routine um, of watching these nighttime games, feel free to fire them our way on the socials because I'd be really interested. Uh, you know, maybe we need to create like a library of like all of these different <laughs> methods and, you know, what people use uh, to, to find a way of staying up or, you know, feeling better yeah. after, after the game. 
Very good. Well, great to uh, talk Bills again. Uh, thanks ever so much for everyone for joining. Um, if you want to get in touch with us, please do so. We are Bills from Afar on Twitter, Bills from Afar at gmail.com over email. And until next time, go Bills. Go Bills.